about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way, it might be really good. Wow. to It's Good Except It Sucks, a movie by movie and television series by television series hurtled through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This time we're taking a look at Hellstrom, first seen in October 2020, when, if you wanted to look clever in front of your friends, you could have watched Kid Correspondent Meet the Chimps or Tell Me More with Kelly Corrigan instead. I'm Tim Worthington and we'll be finding out what I made of Hellstrom shortly. Meanwhile, joining us to give her thoughts on Hellstrom is board game collector Vicky Gregorich. Vicky, where can people find you? Ooh, I'm kicking around on Twitter called iHeartBigFace. Okay, so before we go any further, Vicky, what happens in Hellstrom? Ooh, that's a very good question because I'm not sure I know. <laughs> <laughs> we meet Damon Hellstrom, rather unimaginatively named Damon, and his sister Anna and their mother Victoria. Victoria is catatonic in an asylum. Damon is looking after her and they are estranged from their sister Anna who lives in San Francisco. They're a fun bunch. <laughs> it's all very estranged and mean and nobody really likes each other very much. Yeah, and I noticed that you just talked about the background there because it's show it's very hard to talk about as we'll find out without giving away any spoilers at all. But Vicky, how much did you know about Damon and Anna Hellstrom before you saw the show? Literally nothing at all. <laughs> I had never heard of it. And even when you spoke to me about it and I was quite excited because obviously it, it, it comes from a world of the supernatural. So I know why you asked me to do this podcast and it's because I'm a massive horror fan. And this is the horror version of Marvel. I had simply never heard of it at all. But Hellstrom is their family name, and they are descendants of sorts of the devil, I suppose, or some sort of demon, which is why Damon is not massively imaginatively named. It's Marvel in the horror world, which is quite an interesting idea. Yeah, the two of them really came in in the early 70s when Marvel started doing a lot more horror, you know, when they brought in titles like Ghost Rider and Man-Thing and Blade and so on. Mm. I'll admit, I didn't know that much about them, apart from occasionally seeing them in things like The Defenders, where they crop up quite often, because they're solo titles. You know, I, I got away with getting comics like Cloak and Dagger and The Punisher. I think Son of Satan, as the comic was originally called, would have been a bit of a, a stretch asking for that. But it is quite interesting that, you know, they are sort of long-standing characters who aren't that well-known. And it was always going to be a challenge. I'll come back to the weird story behind this series in a bit. But to bring them into the MCU, and the first thing to say is that they've made them, although fundamentally as characters, they're the same characters as in the comic versions. 
they've made them visually very different because both of them are like traditionally sexy comic characters in their comic incarnations, but they made Damon to that kind of crumpled, whoops, have I just got out of bed and I look sexy? Oh my goodness me, I don't have time to brush my hair type of bloke. <laughs> but Anna, more interestingly, they've gone for that 90s thing of that really, really odd statement that was made at the time of like by heavily accentuating everything sexualized about yourself, it makes you desexualized in a way everything's so streamlined. You know, her hair is so severe. She dresses so provocatively yet sharply that it's almost like a complete desexualization. I thought both of those were quite interesting choices, but I'm wondering if you agree. I do agree, actually. And I think the really interesting thing about the way the characters look is that they don't look like brother and sister and they are absolutely supposed to be brother and sister. She's so such a unique and interesting looking lady. And you're right, there is something very 90s about it. They've made her quite, not asexual almost, but very androgynous. And it's not clear what purpose it serves to do that. Although I think, without wanting to use the word too much, she's a queer character in the MCU, which is very unusual. And there are other characters in the LGBT world, which is very open and treated as, you know, it's just a thing about their lives rather than it being the thing that makes them who they are, which makes it very, very interesting and unusual for MCU. But Damon as a character himself is just very bog standard. So he just looks like your averagely handsome man. He's average height, average looking. He looks a little bit like a young John Hannah to me which is fine except you're expecting something interesting and special about him and he's not really (laughs) he's just really average and compared to his sister he looks all the more average which is very 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 anachronous to watch it's quite strange because they don't feel like family they feel like people that know each other well it's interesting you single that out because i think although i think tom austin is a really good actor i mean i've seen him in quite a few other things he was in the crown grantchester and so on he is actually english playing a very american american that's something they did a lot in the earlier marvel tv series had english people playing heavily accented americans i mean in iron fist i think three or four of the main cast were actually english and there's just something about it that doesn't quite it's not quite like davy jones voiced people that you get in sitcoms going like hello it's the opposite of that this kind of square peg round hole thing and it doesn't quite gel and I think that was one of my few actual problems with the series in the back of my head there was just that feeling I mean that's a that's a minor criticism really and that's just me I mean that's really interesting I didn't know he was British yes I mean I guess in a way because Anna looks so otherworldly and she does she's an unusual looking person he's not unusual looking He's just got very arched eyebrows, which you could draw on, I think. You could probably make eyebrows like that. He does look very average and normal, and maybe the otherworldliness is coming from the accent. His accent isn't from a real place. But yeah, I didn't get a sense of that. He just always feels awkward through this, and not in a way where you're expecting him to be awkward. And the other thing they've really toned down from the comic characters is the kind of binary polar opposite nature they had about their lineage, whereas in the comics it's more defined by Damon, his relationship with his father in that he doesn't want to be you know like a demon like the devil and you know he has a long relationship with Hellcat and the the funny thing with that is her mates like Monica Rambo and so on just treat him as like ah guy your boyfriend who I'm referring to his demonic side he's mates with like Doctor Strange brother Voodoo and so on who get the whole thing of his lineage but Anna is more of a daddy's girl mm. and therefore has more trouble controlling her demonic side and shall we just say she is a bit of what 
in our day you would have called Ashyaga in a positive sense and yes. that hasn't really carried over the TV series has it? I would agree you only get little twinkles of the fact that she's more dark in her nature or that she explores her darker impulses if there's only sort of small hints of it you're right they're, they're sort of almost too similar in their journey through this show in that they're fighting something it's not actually that clear what they are trying to fight or to what purpose but their fight doesn't seem dissimilar so when the storyline is about them having conflict with one another it's not actually that clear what their conflict is about especially I think it would have been a much more interesting show if they had explored how the darkness presents to both of them rather than just the fact that they both had traumatic childhoods and um, because it doesn't look like they're actually dealing with those things in different ways at all it looks very much the same I think it's worth pointing out as well and this is something that we'll come back to in a later point that the horror in it I mean we both described the horror series but yeah. it's mostly psychological it's more about the fear the threat of what might happen on a paranormal level than you know anything to do with violence or whatever and I think that's reflected in the soundtrack really interestingly you know the usual thing for things like this is to go for a really kind of dramatic orchestral chanting thing or you know sinister rock and roll records or like nine inch nails or something it's mainly kind of twinkly early 60s pop songs you know from just before the beatles and everything was a bit la di da di da yeah and that gives it a very different angle it works against the horror of it in a good way in a positive way i think it does i agree and it, there are some really good horror tropes through this and they do do them quite well it's a shame it doesn't kind of hang on the story better but I definitely noticed as you went through the series you would hear some of those chimes of good 70s horror like the omen where they would use sort of tinkling bells in the background and sort of reasonably soaring music but you're right it wasn't it didn't go down that kind of gothic sneaky around the corner stuff and it was sort of a little bit the music was a little bit closer to the sort of creepy nursery rhyme type stuff because it's kind of sweet the music's kind of sweet it does give you a sort of different impression I think if it had been if the story had been a little bit more cohesive the music would have been really really great thing about this show because it was the thing with the noticeable quality running through it there he is my boy <laughs> Mommy dearest, I know you set something loose on this world. What was it? I think you know. No stone unturned. My body is a This family's unnatural behavior. I've never experienced anything like it. The reason I brought that up was that I'm guessing you probably won't know much about this at all, but the story behind how it got made in its position in the MCU is really interesting, which is that basically ABC and Hulu, after, you know, because Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. was coming to an end, they'd done Runaways, done Cloak and Dagger, Agent Carter, they wanted to move into another direction. And Hellstrom was originally going to be shorter, a part of an anthology series called Adventure into Fear, named after the 70s Marvel horror anthology comic. Their plans for it were they were going to have go 
Ghost Rider in it as well. He'd already been an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And the official statement was that it wasn't just going to be horror, it was characters who caused fear. So I'm guessing it would have been people like Gargoyle because of his appearance, mm. probably some of the underworld bosses and so on. And the idea was that they'd have their own kind of two, three-part stories and cross over into each other's. And that got, I think Ghost Rider got cancelled first because they've obviously got other plans for him. But then it got cancelled full stop because, you know, they were already looking at folding the TV series into the actual Disney Plus side of things. Because, you know, they had success with, you know, the ABC series and Netflix series and so on. But the biggest problem was that it was too complex to have the movie characters show up. I mean, there were some that showed up in some of them at various points. But, you know, when you look at Chris Evans and repeatedly said he wanted to be an agent of shield as Captain America mm. and it just wasn't possible on a practical level yeah. and I think they got fed up with that because you know the two Disney Plus series so far are full of movie characters so I think it's like you know in the contract now that they have to be yeah. available for them so we were already doing that but Hellstrom was so far into production that they thought well it would cost too much to cancel it let's just do it as a full series which I think it's where it sort of suffers a bit you can tell it was hurriedly extended it dips a lot in the middle yeah the interesting thing about that was that it just kind of like came out without anyone really noticing, without any fanfare. When it was originally on Hulu, it didn't have the Marvel logo at the start. Mm. And I thought, they're just kind of cutting it loose, they're just letting it go. And again, we'll come back to possibly some of the reasons for that as well. But what surprised me was when Disney Plus launched the adult strand star a couple yeah. of months ago hellstrom was front and center yeah. of the promotion as though they're suddenly they were letting the contract ride out for abc and hulu and now they're saying now it's ours but pushing it a bit more yeah and while you know like i say it does suffer from the last minute extension to it i do think it's interesting that that was clearly their plan all along I mean, it is a standalone series, which again I'll come back to, mm. but they were just letting it go despite appearances. I mean, the interesting thing, uh, there's loads of interesting things in what you've just said there. Number one, this would have worked better as an anthology series mm. because the characters themselves, their backstory is too complicated. It is too emotional. It couldn't be sanitary. You know, you couldn't, ha you couldn't have two children who ha are effectively possessed half human, half demon, whose dad is a serial killer and whose mum is a demon. You, you simply can't have those characters in a sort of light and fluffy way. You probably almost do need a hook to allow them to come together in a sort of Mulder and Scully sort of way. And it probably would have worked very, very well on that basis and allow their personalities to develop a little bit more and to show their backstory in a more, you know, sort of piecemeal way, really, to let you pull some of it together. It doesn't read like a Marvel Universe piece because there are no heroes in it and there are no real anti-heroes in it either. Then You don't really get a strong sense of anybody having strong motivation, which seems crazy when you consider how complex the story is. I think the final piece for me here is that there's clearly a big trend towards horror series and the things that horror brings to, to people. You know, people like to be scared. It helps them face their emotions, face their fears, and it can be a big, you know, release for people, especially sort of during lockdown and sort of big emotional release. American Horror story the success of that the success of the haunting of hill house as horror series even screen queens which was huge 
showed that there was a space for this sort of series, this sort of activity, and these characters are probably well set up for it in the Marvel Universe. But it's almost like this half-assed commitment to it made it neither horror nor Marvel, which has kind of left it in the centre a little bit of, of, of being very neither here nor there. And that's a real shame. I can't think of a way you would get a Marvel person in this. Fascinatingly, I, I, I don't think there's anyone that would fit. I think just from reading a little bit of a comic book, the only person that could have come into this and done anything of interest would have been Doctor Strange. And even then, I just can't see a way in through this story and through this mechanism they've used to tell the story. The characters are both not interesting enough <laughs> for their own storyline and also too interesting to have done what they've done with it. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, what you're saying there, I think it's to do with the actual origins of it. It's, you know, something that was repurposed almost at the very last minute. But although it is set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because, you know, there's references to rocks and oil, there's all the newspapers mm. and TV shows from it, there are characters in this from the comics that have been in other franchises like Gabriel the Demon Hunter becomes Sister Gabriella who's yeah. an exorcist there's Louise Hastings who in the comics is somebody who fights to control sort of the exploitation of the Darkhold the Enchanted Book and obviously the Darkhold had been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Runaways and Cloak and Dagger and has recently shown up again in WandaVision, in WandaVision so true. there are all these connecting things but it's still off on its own to the extent that nobody can work out chronologically where it fits in the timeline of events is completely its own thing and that kind of counts against it in terms of people coming to it as well I'm sure most people don't even know it exists yeah I, I'd say so and I think you know Marvel does really good in different environments you know Marvel in space is Guardians and Marvel in Gods is Thor and Marvel in World War 2 and then the Iraqi War and you know it, it does really good in those environments it just doesn't seem to have found its place in horror it just feels strange it's almost like the person who wrote this had never seen horror and had never seen Marvel had just read about them on the Wikipedia page and thought I'll put them together that's kind of how mm. this series feels to me the main interesting thing about it to me though is the reception because I think when it came out I didn't really enjoy it not I disliked it but I found watching it kind of a grueling experience but I think that's because it was October 2020 Trump was still in office we didn't know what was going to happen with Brexit everyone's still in lockdown it was the wrong time mm. For a show this bleak, and I remember at the time it had a 29% aggregate appreciation <laughs> rating. I don't know many people that have watched it, but while I was researching this, I looked into the aggregate rating has jumped up to 67%, which, you know, doesn't quite put it alongside Ant-Man and the Wasp, but that's respectable for a show like this and a show that doesn't 100% work. And I wonder what that was. I think it's partly that... It sounds weird to say we're more in the mood for something like this yeah. now, but <laughs> it feels less like grimness on top of everything else. But also, I wonder if it's because so many people have decided to do a full, whether in story order or release order, Marvel Cinematic Universe watch, that they've, you know, having sat through Inhumans and the first series of Iron Fist, they've thought, oh, well, we might as well do this as well and then thought actually it's not as bad as all that so they're my only explanations really but it seems to be a bit better received now and also the appearance on Disney Plus probably helped as well yeah absolutely I mean definitely one of the key barriers to this when it came out will have been that it wasn't actually available <laughs> in the UK for quite a long time people will be very curious about it I mean there are some really positive things about it that the graphics 
in terms of how it's advertised, its opening credits yeah. are really beautiful. I mean, they're really beautifully done. The music is very, very good, and it is really good-looking. The visual effects are actually genuinely very good. The jump scares are also very, very good. There is some, for horror fans, there are some excellent gore moments, which are really quite satisfying. So I can see why, and certainly if this was your first foray into horror and you didn't know anything else about horror it's probably quite a good introduction to a lot of horror tropes and you know without any of the um, sort of self-referential stuff that horror does a lot of the key difficulty with it is it's quite humorless (laughs) which horror isn't and neither is marvel actually neither of those things are humorless places and you're right there is something about it's quite grim and i don't mean that as in a negative thing because there's obviously a place for grimness and drama grittiness but it's quite a grim watch there's no humor in it and you don't laugh at any element of it not whatsoever and in a true good gory horror movie you're both jumping and you're laughing you don't laugh very much in hellstrom well what's going to be interesting going forwards is it's looking more and more likely despite kind of the self-important articles that were appearing a couple of months ago saying oh all the old tv shows and no longer canon which you know drove me up the wall that characters from the earlier tv forays are going to show up there's some that are pretty much it's not being confirmed that are nailed on for some of the films at the time of recording there's been a very heavy hint that somebody is going to recur from on the netflix series if not in falcon the winter soldier then then something immediately following it but given that they are going to pursue the horror direction a bit more particularly in the next doctor strange film there is every chance that these two could show up again and one thing that struck me watching this i never thought of before is that in terms of having you know this immensely problematic all-powerful father who is not on the side of good and their life being sort of defined by it that gives them a kind of an affinity with star lord which would be quite the pairing but <laughs> would you like to see them reappear i think so but i think they just need to not be the main characters i mean yeah. i think i was quite excited by the comic book when i saw doctor strange come up because there is something really interesting about his magical world and their demonic world and there is crossover between their abilities and their kind of otherworldliness so that is quite an interesting thing you're right there is something about wonder vision and something about the scarlet witch and all of the chaos magic that's going on there which would have a very interesting interplay because she appears not to be particularly good or bad they are not particularly good or bad they are something different and sort of when you get to play with that morality that might be quite interesting there are other characters that I know, as you mentioned earlier, some sort of horror-type characters like Ghost Rider or Blade, where it probably would make for quite an interesting Suicide Squad-type trope. But I think what they need is something that brings all of that together a little bit more. I think that series does feel so far away from the MC universe that it probably needs its own journey into the MC universe to make it something meaningful. I didn't dislike the characters. I mean, the best character is the mum, actually, Victoria. You know, the actress was brilliant. The brilliantly named Elizabeth Marvel. Brilliantly named Elizabeth Marvel, quite right. You know, she was absolutely fantastic all the way through it. When she was frightening, she was frightening. When she was motherly, she was motherly. When she was confused, you were confused with her. She really was excellent. She didn't just look the part. She was really, really great in it. Exploring the dynamic between her and her children would probably be really exciting and interesting as part of another story, but I can't ever see them mm. being main characters anywhere else because there's just not enough to it, really. Well, that's an interesting note to go into. My last question, which is, well, there's only really one thing left for me to ask now. Vicky, if you had the ability to summon demonic powers but with a human sense of judgment, what would you use it for? <laughs> Hmm, now there's a question. There's a question. (laughs) 
I would um, I would use a demon to put my facial expression on my mask <laughs> so that um, people could understand that I was either smiling at them or pulling my tongue out or grimacing at them or baring my teeth um, because I'm fed up of people not understanding <laughs> what I'm trying to communicate with them with my mask on. <laughs> Vicky, thank you, and Excelsior. Excelsior. If you've enjoyed this, don't forget you can buy more editions of It's Good Except It Sucks and plenty more besides, including details of my book Can't Help Thinking About Me at timworthington.org.